0: Our reading is going to start from verse 1 of Jude one. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. There are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, this he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the holy body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand and what things they do understand by instinct. Like unreasoning animals, these are the very things that destroy them. Woe to them! They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed to profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These men are blemishes at your love fists, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been restored forever. Anuk the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men, See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of His holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way and of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. These men are grumblers and fault-finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own disadvantage. But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, In the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit." But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others, show mercy mixed with fear hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thanks, Celine, for reading it so well. And if you can have your Bibles open to Jude... That would be great. And this is, uh, this is the second part. Um, we're doing postcard series, uh, one chapter books throughout the summer. So as people come in and out on holidays and things that they don't need to have been there before. Um, but Jude, we're doing a two-part series. So if you haven't listened to last week's sermon, could I encourage you to do that? Because Niels explained so well of why these things are such uh, so important, why um, false teaching is so, so dangerous and so on. Please do Uh, listen. But as we come, I'll preach uh, from verses 20 to 25, but why don't we pray that God will speak to us as we come to this text. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you that your word uh, created us and it's sustaining us. And we pray that these words that you've given to us this morning will build us up, um, build us up so that we might contend uh, for the faith that you've given us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Some some of my seminary professors didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. What they taught uh, was a matter of academic interest uh, to them, and it was tough being in that environment. And The wider church actually isn't that much safer, is it? There are bishops who say that Jesus is not the only way to salvation. Pap- pastors who baptize our selfish desires and say prosper- teach prosperity gospel. Others who say that there is no hell-inclusive churches that make the moral teachings of the Bible irrelevant. Jude didn't write, want to write this book to correct and to warn about the judgment that is coming. But he, he said that he had to. He felt, verse 3, compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's people. He wrote these things because what uh, the faith that is entrusted to us is important because we we need to contend what we believe is important and therefore what we do is important. He wanted us to fight for what we have received. These false teachers were directed by their dreams, by their instincts. They were perverting the grace of God into a license to immorality. They were saying, if we're saved by grace, then actually we can do immoral things. We don't have to worry really about our sins, about our holiness. Many people in my seminary actually did fall away from faith, from first year to third year. And there are many who we see fall away from faith all around us as well. After all, when prominent uh, professors teach what they teach, when prominent pastors teach what they teach, how are we to contend for the faith? Well, if last week's text was about the dangers of false teaching, this week's uh, text starting verse 20 is about the practical things that we can do to protect ourselves and to continue to fight for the faith that has been entrusted to us. So how do we keep ourselves safe? How do we train? Well, he starts out with, Jude starts out with four things. He says first, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, in verse 20. And that's partly why you're here today, to read these words of Jude to continue learning about the Christian faith. That's the reason why you go to small groups, you do one-to-ones, you meet with people around the Bible to speak what you know of God's truth to each other, to build each other up in our faith. And that's why we stock the bookshelf, you know, with good books, so you can go and actually continue learning uh, by yourself, that you know what you are supposed to believe, that you might grow in your faith. So don't stay as baby Christians who can't distinguish solid food from soft food, who can't distinguish good teaching from bad teachings. Don't be stagnant Christians, people who are self-satisfied with what they know already, and become dull and complacent. Keep reading the Bible and keep reading and learning. And as we do that, he says we ought to pray. Pray in the Holy Spirit. and Why does he add that word, uh, Holy Spirit? Uh, well, I don't think this means that he's saying that we ought to pray in tongue or some kind of special prayer. To understand this, I think you might ask, well, what kind of prayer is apart from the Holy Spirit? Right? All prayers are offered in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit intercedes in us on our behalf. He's there. It's offered in the Spirit. I think he's, what he's really saying is that we need to pray as we fight and as we contend for the faith. We need to keep on growing in our faith and we need to keep on going to God because growing in our faith is not done by our own efforts. It's God who breathes his life, a God who teaches us, a God who will continue to make us grow. So we need to go to God and pray. So how many of you prayed This past week. And what did you pray about? I wonder if you prayed that your faith would grow. I wonder if you've prayed that you might be kept in the love of Christ. Right? That we might continue to contend for the faith that God has given us. No matter what the situation is. No matter what the trials are. If this is the most important thing that God has given us. Our faith. Shouldn't we pray about that a bit more? Thirdly, Jude tells us that we ought to keep ourselves in God's love. And in fact, this is the main verb of the sentence. This is the main imperative of the sentence. And all the other ones are in Greek in participles. They're dependent on this one. Keep yourselves in God's love. So building up our faith, praying and waiting are all participles depending on this one. This might mean that we're to do all these other things to keep ourselves in God's love. But that's a strange thing to say, right? How do you keep yourself in God's love? I mean, that God, doesn't God love us already? Doesn't God, God's love, uh, nothing can separate us from God's love? Well, I think this might be a short way of saying, a shorthand way of saying, that we need to continue to obey Christ. Jude gave examples of people who didn't obey, right? And you heard that last week. Israelites in the desert, the angels, the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah, Balaam, Cain, and Korah. And the Bible always brings God's love, our faith, our love and obedience all together as one package. They all go together. And listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. So whoever has my command and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. You see how he brings all these things together. If you you love me, you will obey my commands. And if you obey my commands, you'll be kept In Father's love, in God's love. These things are one thing, two sides of the same coin. Our faith always leads to the love of Christ, and our love for Christ always leads to obedience to Christ. At least a desire to obey. The Spirit commands in us to obey Christ, it transforms us. So, as people of faith, we seek to love God by obeying His commands. And in order to do that, we need to know once again what we believe. We need to grow in our faith. We need to pray to God. And finally, we also need to wait. We need to hope in the future. Take a look at verse 21. As we wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to, et- to eternal life. you know He's mentioned faith, love, and he's also mentioning hope here hope of the future, hope of the eternal life, we're kept safe um, and contend to our faith by setting our hope on, the, by waiting for the day when Jesus will come and bring us the eternal life. Our desires for worldly things often deter us from contending for the faith doesn't it? Our desires for prestige and money or comfort, power, and status, things of this life often derail us. Um, uh, From pursuing Christ, seeking the earthly kingdom often distracts us from seeking godly kingdom, God's kingdom. So he says, to contend for the faith, set your eyes on the hope of the future, on the eternal life that Jesus Christ will bring You've often heard that running the Christian life is not a sprint but a marathon, and that's true. And the point of that really is to say you gotta keep on running, you gotta keep on exercising. Um, this, isn't, this is the um, London Marathon picture. I, I, I ran the Chicago Marathon when I was in my third year of college before the digital camera days, and so I don't have any record that I've run this marathon, but you got to trust me on this. I ran the Chicago Marathon in my third year. I made pretty good time, and I felt after running it pretty good about myself, you know, I trained for a long time, and I felt invincible. I was in good shape. So even though the season had started already, When the uh, school wrestling team asked me to join, because I wrestled in my second year, Um, in my third year to join, I wasn't planning on it, but they said, why don't you come and wrestle for us? There's a meet coming up in a couple of days, and we really need a 157-pounder to come and wrestle. So I joined, and I thought I could do it because I had run a marathon. But the thing was, after the marathon, for about a month, I didn't do anything. I, I didn't run, I didn't exercise, but you know, I thought to myself, what does it matter? I ran a marathon, but I was sadly mistaken. It mattered. I might have set the school record on how fast somebody could get pinned. I don't remember how many seconds it took, but it was, I think, within 20 seconds. I, don't cho- I, I choose not to remember uh, that part uh, clearly, but my point is this you got to keep on running. You got to keep on exercising. We have to keep on loving and obeying Christ, building up our faith and praying to God and actively every day set our hope on the future that is coming and continue to exercise. If you think that you are able to contend for the faith because you've had some experience in the past, because you were at one point sure of your faith, and you do not continue to exercise your faith, you're making yourself vulnerable for the false teaching, for the immorality that is out there that is contending for our soul every day. So we ought to keep on exercising our faith. Keep being safe in God's love. But as we do that, The church, it's not just about us, is it? It's about other people. After telling us what we ought to be doing, these four things, he turns, Jude turns our attention to how we are to help others in verses 22 and 23. How we are responsible for each other. And that's what the church is. That God has put us together to train together, to run together, to contend together. And he tells us uh, what we should be doing to others when we see people falling away. These are three, there are three groups of people here. And uh, I, we think, I think that this is a people of different levels of involvement uh, with false teaching. First, we're told to be merciful to those who doubt. These are engaging with false teachers, uh, but they couldn't make up their minds. Whether this was true or this was true. Whether they should stay or they should go with this new teaching. They couldn't tell. And Jude tells us to be merciful to them. You've been to churches where questions are discouraged and forbidden even. You ask questions and some respond harshly by saying, don't, don't ask, just believe. I hope you don't find that to be shot in, church. What we are to do is to respond with mercy, which I think means with gentleness and kindness, to, to approach them, to try to answer their questions as much as we can. If you come to doubt, we'll deal with you with mercy. But the instruction about those um, who are much more involved with this heresy is a bit different, right? And Jude tells us to snatch them from the fire in verse 23. And you couldn't miss the urgency in this, right? Engaging in behaviors that pervert the grace of Jesus Christ is playing with fire. Engaging in behaviors that pervert that grace into license to immorality is, is fire. Thinking sin isn't sin is fire. And when you see people who are about to be scorched by fire, you go in and you snatch them out of fire. And that's what we are to do. Jude already mentioned in verse 7, the judgment that came upon Sodom and Gomorrah by fire and told us that they serve as examples of those who suffer the uh, punishment of eternal fire. If you find out that somebody in your links group is attending Jehovah's Witness meetings or Mormons or Scientology or whatever, you might ask that person to meet with you today in this coming week. If you find out that somebody is sleeping with their girlfriend or boyfriend and think that this is perfectly fine, you might want to ask them to meet with you today to correct them, to snatch them out of fire are you willing to have that conversation with people? And finally, those who are fully engaged with false teaching and immorality, we are to show mercy mixed with fear. Verse 23, and I think that fear is fear of God's holiness and God's judgment because that's what Jude has mentioned in this uh, In this, uh Letter before in the previous verses. For many Christians, I think fear for them, they find it incompatible with love of God, believing in the grace and love of God. But the Bible never has any problems affirming both, does it? The Old Testament stressed how God loved Israel, but he never compromised on his holiness. The New Testament carried the same tune with Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus raises the standard for holiness. I mean, read the Sermon on the Mount and how difficult to live that life is. But also God showed how serious, um, He not only he took sin and his holiness, um, but also how much he loved us by sending his son to die for us on the cross. On the cross, both God's love and God's holiness and wrath were satisfied. And we are to do the same as we engage with people who are engaged with false teaching. Especially to those who have no fear of God, God's holiness, show mercy and fear. They need to know that sin is not to be tolerated. And Jude uses in verse 23 a graphic picture to illustrate this for us. Hating even clothing stained by corrupted flesh. That word for clothing is underwear. So the imagery says we ought to hate sin as we hate poo-stained underwear, poo-stained clothes. For the first time in my life, I recently had the privilege of changing a diaper and cleaning a kid after. I don't like changing diapers. Um, It's not pleasant, is it? Those who are involved in perversion of God's grace and immoral behavior need to know that they are covered in poo and turning to Christ means hating it developing a hatred for it and, and developing a love for God's holiness and wanting to be like him but we hate engaging with other people's lives we hate engaging especially with their sins don't we we would rather turn a blind eye and hope that they come to realization of these things by themselves. But once again, look to whom Jude writes this letter. He writes to the church. We are our brothers' and sisters' keepers. We are to train together. So are you willing to do that? Are you willing to have these tough conversations with, with people who believe in false things, people who are engaged in immoral behaviors. Are you willing to do that? It's worth mentioning, though, how mercy is the dominant theme in this section, isn't it? Be merciful to those who doubt. Show mercy mixed with fear. Even as we're snatching people out of fire, we do it because we love them, because we want to love them. We are not to be moral policemen. We are saved by grace, and we should be characterized by grace. Being judgmental and self-righteousness has no place in the church, no place in the Christian interaction with anyone. But loving this way does mean engaging with people's lives, engaging with people's sins, knowing that we, the church, are the instrument by which God cleanses us and makes us more like his son. But in doing all of this, we're reminded as we end that we're not alone in doing any of it. After telling us how we are to contend, how we are to help others to contend, Jude ends this letter by reminding us that God is in charge. Verse 24. Verse 24 to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And you know, he told us before to keep ourselves in God's love, but now he tells us that it is God who is able to keep us from falling. In this way Jude continues the same kind of exhortation that the Bible constantly gives, affirming both our responsibility While reminding us that God is the one who is sovereign and who is at work in us, and Paul wrote a similar thing in back in uh, Philippians in chapter two, Philippians chapter two, verses twelve and thirteen. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, and and will uh, in you to will and and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. You ought to continue to work out your salvation because it is God who is in you who makes you do these things. Keep yourselves in God's love and God will keep you from falling. And these truths do go together. God is at work in us. He is. But that doesn't mean that we are to do nothing. We are, we have, it doesn't, uh, absolve, uh, it doesn't excuse us from our responsibilities. We are to build ourselves up, watch out for others, but as we do, with that greater truth in mind, that God is the one who is able to keep us from falling. And, and that kept, keeps us from discouragement, uh, discouragement. If you're only by yourself, just doing it by yourself, you might just want to say, I'm, I'm done. But if you know that God is with you, that God keeps you from falling. That he says, I will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber, as he does in Psalm 121. You might continue to keep going, knowing that God is with you. But look at not only what he's able to do for us now, but what he will do in the future. In verse 24, he will present us before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Our struggle against false teaching, our struggle to be holy like Christ, that will end. Not only is God with us now, but he will present us before God's glorious throne as blameless and with great joy. Could you imagine Christ's great joy in presenting us to God the Father? He is mine. She is mine. I have paid for their sins. I've kept them from sinning. And they're now clothed in my righteousness. No one could stand before God's glory without fear on their own. But with Christ, we will be presented as faultless and bring joy to Christ. So we all need to contend For our faith, we need to watch out for others, trusting that God is in um, all of that. As I go back um, to the beginning, you know, it was tough uh, being in a liberal seminary. In order to keep going, my faith had to grow. I had to think about what I believed, why I believed in what I believed, I, I needed to read, I needed to pray, I need to keep obeying Christ, I keep growing in Jesus Christ. That needed to happen. But I wasn't alone in doing all of that. I had the church. I never left the church. I had brothers and sisters who kept me going, who prayed for me, who read the Bible with me, who would uh, bring me in if I went astray. I had the church. But in the end, I know that it was God who was there with me, who was keeping me from stumbling. And just as he was faithful back then, I know that in the end, he will present me in his glorious presence with great joy, faultless. So as we end, let's end as Jude ends. To him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence, without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forever. Amen.